The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon. This is the podcast where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic and everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. And uh, usually we are we go into talking about the bad shows for a while before we get the heart-rending sigh. We don't get one right at the top. That's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, little, little sum for everybody. A little, little tease <laughs> of what's to come. On cancer. So this is the show uh, where Whitney and I, we, we watch uh, TV shows that failed. One reason or another, uh, we our rule is they can't have lasted more than one season. Have more than one season, you had your shot. But one season or less, you might have been screwed over. We deserve, you deserve to be looked at once again yeah, to see if maybe you deserve better. And uh, sometimes we find really great shows. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> Almond Joy's got nuts. Mm-hmm. I like Almond Joy. Mounts don't. What are we talking about this week? This William? week. Okay, so <laughs> it is. You're so depressed over the. I know the show and the candy bars. <laughs> I don't like either of those candy bars, actually. Oh, you don't. Oh, neither, neither I, an Almond I'll, Joy nor a Mountain nor a Mounds Man am I. I, I will. I will take them both from you because I adore those things. That's then. That's, that's. I think that's one of the tricks to having a successful uh, relationship, mm-hmm. whether it's with someone you love or just a roommate. Don't like the same snacks. Yeah, you'll fight over them. Yeah, well, it's never just like, hey, who ate all of my Mounds bars? Mm-hmm. Wasn't me. I hate that shit. <laughs> Problem solved. What, what Must have been you. There was a, a short-lived limited edition candy bar of, mm-hmm. it was orange-flavored Mounds. They put, like, orange flavoring in them. No. That sounds amazing. Like, instead of, like, the coconut? No, it's like the coconut, but it was, like... See, the coconut's what I have the problem Sort of, like, an orange chocolate around the coconut. No, no, no. What I have a problem with is the coconut. Oh, well. So that's... Can't can't help you there. Exactly. You take out the coconut, it's a different candy bar. So glad we don't have to talk about this show, because we're talking about all these candy bars. We're talking... Those those candy bars are blessed. This show we're talking about is not blessed. It's actually... uh, It's somewhat uh, cursed, if you'll... Um, So we we had an event called Scary Tober. And this episode was supposed to come out in the middle of Scary Tober, but uh, instead, um, you know, going w- w- watching a show about the Antichrist can really be a kind of hell. Uh, so we had watched a show based on the 1970s Oscar-winning horror film The Omen, mm-hmm. called The Omen, which had almost nothing to do with The Omen. Well, we we uh, mentioned at the time that it was very clearly an X Files knockoff. This yeah. was it was more about demon possession and a lot more to do with the Exorcist than The Omen. Yeah, maybe they and, would have gotten there at some point, yeah. but it was very clearly we have this pre-existing, well-known IP. Mm-hmm. Let's do an X Files knockoff using The Omen as 
I guess, an end point because it certainly wasn't a starting point. Yeah, uh, uh, but regardless, that wasn't the only TV series based on The Omen. The Omen, of course, is a series of horror movies uh, about a child who is the Antichrist. No yeah, the, ifs, uh, ands, or buts about it. No doubt whatsoever. That kid, mm. Antichrist. Uh, the, the original, and we we talked a little bit about the Richard Donner film uh, yeah. that that came out in the, the mid seventies uh, with Gregory Peck and Lee Remick, and the, yeah, they have a child, and the child is pretty clearly the Antichrist. A, a hellhound follows uh, follows Damien around, mm-hmm. and uh, people mysteriously die around Damien. They get mm-hmm. become possessed, or some you know, weird machinations take them out. If they get too close to the idea that Damien might actually be the Antichrist and they would stop his unholy, unholy machinations that yeah. are, are a little vague in the first movie. Yeah. There were three sequels. Uh, one where uh, Damien was uh, like a young man at boarding school. He was like, mm. uh, like, Pre-teen. Teen, like about 13 Adolescent. years old. Yeah. Uh, and that one's really interesting because he didn't know he was the Antichrist. And yeah. people he, kept on showing up at his door and saying, you're the Antichrist. Like, no, I'm just going to boarding school. Yeah. And he kind of figured that out and also realized that he did sort of have these hypnotic things happening and, around him all the time. This, this weird, creepy take you know, on so, a coming-of-age story. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, Not bad. Not bad. That was yeah, fun. D- Damien the Omen 2. Um, yeah. The final conflict is complete hogwash. Yeah. Uh, where, so Sam Neill is the adult Damien, and now he's a politician, and he's going to rule the world. And, and of like ha- having big stupid confrontation yeah. with God at the end, uh, and then there was a really many years later a really cheap. I think it was a straight to video sequel. It was straight to TV. A straight yeah. to t- a TV yeah. movie uh, sequel, The Omen Four: The Awakening, where it's not Damien anymore; it's a new That's Antichrist, a, a child. new reincarnation. Yeah. And boy, is that movie just trashy as hell. Uh, but uh, then we had the uh, the failed pilot that we reviewed for mm-hmm. Scary Tober, and now that it's Scary Vember, I guess. Uh, it is time it to take still, a look it can at... It still be scary. Let's take a look at what Damien is up to in his One Season Wonder A&E series, Damien! I imagine you don't remember much. That'll change. The past is like a noose around our necks, wouldn't you say? It's a whole new world. The seal's been broken, the trumpet blown. You have so much to offer. Your father would have been proud. It's so good to see you again, Damien. Damien. So, Damien. Uh, This Damien... Follows uh, and in fact shows footage from the original 1976 movie, mm-hmm. but it ignores all the sequels. It's a it's what it's a uh, proper requel along mm-hmm. the lines of uh, David Gordon Green's mm-hmm. Halloween or or uh, uh, Halloween H two O. Yeah, yeah. D- or or like half of the Halloween movies. Yeah. Uh, yes, this is a, a direct sequel to uh, Damien. It it aired in uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damien is now. Uh, he should be forty, but he's thirty in this series. Yeah, they just sort of uh, they just sort of bumped up the original movie to like another like twenty years or something like that. So yeah. like it happened. It's sort of like when Texas Chainsaw Massacre three D came out, and it was supposed oh, right. to take place like, like a few like, years after the like, first like one, twenty years after the first one. But everyone had smartphones, and I'm like, no, that should be in the nineties. Hmm. And they just sort of. 
don't they gotta deal f- with it fudge at all. the timeline a little they bit. Just, so it makes no sense whatsoever. So now, uh, but it's kind of fun. Damien has grown up into a blandly handsome man, and yeah. uh, he has He's played by Bradley James, mm. who is. Almost and he certainly, looks like a Bradley. He's almost certainly best known for playing uh, King Arthur in the BBC series Merlin, which, if you haven't oh, seen it, was basically uh, you see Smallville, but it's Merlin. Hey, wait a minute! That that has because Sam Neill played Merlin, so we have two Damians. Hey, in that one. <laughs> although although this guy wasn't Merlin, he was King Arthur. So, but but that so Merl- connection though. that Merlin series had two Damians. The connection is fun. Uh, and in this rendition of things, he's 30 years old. He's a handsome man. Uh, he doesn't know he's the Antichrist. He remembers certain events from the first movie because that, that happened when he was a young child. But he's actually, uh, his memory of his childhood seems a bit spotty. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. remember a lot of it. Uh, there's a, an infamous scene in the movie where um, it's, uh, I think it's Damien's nanny or it's a maid. Yeah. Uh, ha- hangs herself in some sort of... Uh, she, she, hypnotic it, trance. It's in the middle of a birthday party yeah. for Damien, and she like gets up on top of the building or from the tile from the tallest window in mm. their big fancy house, and she yells, "It's all for you, Damien! I love you, Damien!" Mm. And then she throws herself off of the building with mm. like a noose around her neck, and then she dies. And it's yeah, I can see why a child mm. might repress that. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, a lot. Uh, he is now a photojournalist, uh, and the actions of the series kick off when he's uh, overseas in like a war zone. I think he's in he's in Syria. He's in Syria. He's, he's in Damascus. Uh, uh, he's in he's in a war zone. He goes to a lot of war zones. He's uh, photographed he is a, a lot. He's of a war, war photographer. Yeah, and uh, he and his friends are in a war zone that is suddenly like really really quickly escalating. From things are bad, and now soldiers are in the street and they're killing everybody. And in the middle of all the chaos, he's trying to help some civilians get out of there. And an old woman says she recognizes him and starts speaking in tongues. And basically kind of awakens the Antichrist within, even though he still doesn't know what the hell Hmm. is going on. Um, And so the rest of the uh, season is... uh, Everyone in the audience, knowing that Damien is the Antichrist, half the cast of the film, knowing that Damien is the Antichrist, Damien being told in the pilot episode that he's the Antichrist, mm. and Damien going, but maybe? Yeah, the uh, I was reminded of that film Mary Riley. Did you see Mary Riley? Actually, I haven't seen that movie. Okay, it's, it's a Jekyll and Hyde movie, and uh, John Malkovich plays Jekyll and Hyde in that Good movie, casting. and uh, and Julia Roberts plays yeah. the title character, who's, I think, also like a maid. Yeah. And... Uh, a lot of the tension is she's sort of being, she's trying to care for uh, Dr. Jekyll, but then this like uh, rough brute, Mr. Hyde keeps coming in and mistreating her. Mm-hmm. And he, it's John Malkovich. He, he just looks like John Malkovich. Yeah. They didn't even put like a lot of makeup I'm on sure, him. I'm sure his posture changed. They put like a wig on yeah. him and I think like a little sharp chin, but he still looks like John Malkovich. And yeah. so much of that movie, uh, the drama stems from the fact that she can't tell uh, the difference. That she yeah. thinks these are two different people. And if yeah. they wanted to do that, they should have gotten two actors. Yeah, or at least a lot of makeup or yeah, something. Yeah, something you know? like that. Yeah, uh, you, I know, you, uh, you start losing respect for the character after if, a while. If you've read the original uh, Jekyll and Hyde book, yeah, they're, they're, they are, do look very, very different. Mm. You wouldn't, wouldn't be able to tell that they're the same person. Although traditionally, Jekyll and Hyde movies, they get the same actor. Some people played uh, off really well. That, that, mm. uh, um, I thought that uh, BBC series we covered Jekyll, even mm. though... The series itself eventually flew off the rails. Uh, James, it was James Nesbitt. James Nesbitt was he really was really good. good. He well, knew what he, he was doing because he and, and the 
but the thing is, nobody is mixed up between the two of them. Right. They, they, he looks the same. He, he, the same he makes guy. it off that they're brothers, and nobody yeah. questions that because they're yeah. so different. And, and, and he does a really yeah. good like physical performance, yeah. distinguishing between the two. Here, a lot of, in Damien, a lot of the drama is stemming from "Am I or am I not the Antichrist?" and are, do these weird things happen around me by weird coincidence? Am I being stalked by this shadowy cabal of demon worshippers who are somehow making all of this happen around me? Uh, or am I actually, like, channeling demonic forces through me? We know he's channeling demonic forces through him. It's called Damien. It's called It's a Damien. sequel to The Omen. The Omen didn't the Omen, leave a lot of room the Omen for speculation. Le- left it very clear that Damien was indeed the Antichrist yeah. and survived at the end of that first movie. And indeed, he had sequels. Imagine if imagine if you were watching, let's say, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man comes out, okay? Mm. And at the beginning of the movie, he's bitten by a spider. And he's got all of these spider powers. And everyone keeps calling him Spider-Man. And the Green Goblin keeps trying to fight him. And at the end of the movie, it's, it's like Peter Parker going Oh shit I'm Spider-Man That's It all comes together now It all seems so clear And you're like Where the fuck were you Peter? I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of superheroes out there Where like their superhero persona is like a, Another personality Like they can't like, recognize each other It's happened I think I'd, Moon I'd like, Knight was like that if memory serves yeah, I, I know that was a deal with um, a, a character called the Sleepwalker Yeah uh, well, That's actually like, a like, different entity Yeah that's like being lived in the brain of a human And whenever he fell asleep he kind of emerged from his head And, yeah. and fought crime Neat weird uh, idea Sleepwalker yeah. that was a fun guy. <laughs> But uh yeah, th- this idea that he is sort of gra- grappling with whether or not he is the Antichrist rather than coming to terms with the fact that he is the Antichrist. Yeah. Feels Ma- like we're just wasting time. Yeah, we're just sort of we're sort of piddling around and um uh shortly uh, after this sort of uh, awakening within uh, Damien, he mm-hmm. is approached by the big star of the show, the big get of the show, mm-hmm. Barbara Hershey. Yeah, she plays a woman named Anne Rutledge mm-hmm. and she's a friend of the family. Uh, from going way, 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 way back, knew his dad, uh, and uh, she is she is working for a secret organization that has been trying to bring about the apocalypse for quite a little while now. Mm-hmm. And as the uh, series progresses, we see a little bit more of the comings and goings of this organization. Turns out, once you had bureaucracy, everything's boring. <laughs> <laughs> like everything well, I, I is boring think, when you have so once you once you get board meetings about yeah. who's been fired and who's going to take your place in like Damien middle management, it gets a little dull. But the I, idea I actually, is, I'm very actually I'm actually very entertained by the notion that the Antichrist and the, these gigantic demonic forces that are mm-hmm. going to bring about the end of the world still need to fill out paperwork. Yeah. I think there's something really comedic about. The fact that there's still, like, a lot of mundane details to the apocalypse. Now, theoretically, these people are there to uh, make Damien's job easier, put him in positions to mm. uh, achieve power, greatness, wealth, political whatever. Uh, but they're also a bunch of greedy assholes, and they also want to take as much for themselves as they can. Mm. Basically, they said, uh, listen, we've all read the Bible. Okay, we've skimmed it. <laughs> But Listen, we know Revelation really well. We've heard we that's the one. That's mm. that's the good stuff. That's where it gets really weird. Uh that's not true, it's all weird. Uh well, but well, Re- Re- Revelation is not about Satan. It, it, I know you there's an, an analysis of the, the well, book of Revelation, which they bring up in this series. I know. I think it's really fascinating. Anyway, we'll get to that. Real, but, real fast. Um, They've read the book of Revelation, they know the Antichrist is coming, and they figure let's bet on this winning horse. And so they're all they're trying to do 
is just get on Damien's good side while also not telling him. Like, so this old woman basically shook me in Damascus and said, you are the Antichrist. Be the Antichrist, Antichrist. And Damien's just like, yeah, that's weird. And then Anne Rutledge is just like, hey, after about one episode, I'm basically just going to tell you you're the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, oh, that's horrible. And I don't believe you. And that's super duper weird. You can only come over to my apartment like every episode from now on. Like you're just, just invited sort of, constantly. Sort of have, we'll, a, have a chin wag yeah. about demonic things. And we'll have this weird sexual tension, which we will never act on. Ever. Of, yeah, there's a moment a where he there's a moment where he shows her his like he's got this uh mark on his forehead, three sixes. It's it's on, it, it's under his hair. It's, it's like under his up, head. up 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 on yeah. his the top of his That's head. how he never noticed it before. Yeah. And it's on like in the back of his head, so mm-hmm. I get it. Uh because when was the last time you looked at the back of your head? Okay, DNA. okay. You were the exception person listening it's, right now who said recently, uh, but most well, people haven't. I, I want to say that it's it's a good thing the Antichrist didn't get uh, early onset male pattern baldness. Yeah. If he was bald by 30, he'd just see those sixes. Yeah, makes you think. Mm. But there's a scene in one of these episodes where he shows Anne Rutledge, Barbara Hershey, this tattoo. And she goes, oh, that's interesting. And then she excuses herself and goes into the hallway. And she just basically has an orgasm just yeah. standing up, <laughs> leaning on a wall like, oh, that's the stuff. Oh, oh that's, that's good that's Antichrist. The, that's the demonic power. Oh, that's good shit. <laughs> oh, that's good. Bring me my jackal jerky. <laughs> I need something to gnaw on while I consider this. Barbara Hershey, I will say this right now. The cast of this is a real mixed bag. Most mm. people are given nothing to work with and are doing well, about as much as you can be expected. There's all these ancillary characters that are really just filling space. Mostly, they're not yeah. adding to the drama. No. They're not you know, letting da- giving Damien somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. They're not uh, allowing Damien to expand his character. Not, his friendship with them doesn't say anything more about his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the characters is uh, an ex-lover of his, uh, and that is... Um, uh, 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 Tiffany Hines Kelly. Yes And she dies in the first episode mm-hmm. As a sort of like Ha ha Bet you thought she'd be important And then instead we start following her sister Simone mm-hmm. uh, Played by uh, Megalyn Echikunwoke I hope I'm pronouncing that right mm-hmm. um, And um, It feels like they, they started focusing on the sister Because they really shouldn't have gotten rid of the love interest so quickly So now like it's The whole movie takes place like two weeks after that pilot And within two weeks she is completely over the death of her sister There's this, there's this moment in like episode three or something like that Where she knocks on Damien's door And Damien's like what's wrong And I'm like my sister died three days ago I'm, What do you I'm, think? I'm despondent <laughs> Yeah you think I'm just No I'm very, What I'm really sad. upset about is I stepped in some gum on the way over here what the fuck do you think is wrong with me? Jesus. <laughs> These were Manolos. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she's all over the place. Just like now she's his lover. Now she hates him. Now she thinks he's the Antichrist. Mm. Now she doesn't. Now she's talking to this uh, weird nun. Uh, oh, and the weird nun is, is the one who wants to kill Damien. Uh, yeah, and I actually really like her. What was her name? Um, I need to look that actress up because she's really good. Oh, uh, uh, 
I'll find it. I'll find it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like one of the one of the side side hustles in this uh, show is uh, Robin Weigert is the actress's Robin name. Robin Weigert, very talented. I think she brings a lot of presence to this. I wish she'd had more scenes with Barbara Hershey because when they're the, together, they've actually got like two really well, good actors who, they, have, who, sort who, of, who represent opposing things well, and yeah, they have something to talk about. They're the hero. Barbara Hershey's clearly the villain of the series. Oh, yeah. But Damien's not the hero of the series. In fact, Damien has no agency in this series, and that's maybe the biggest flaw of the yeah, show. He's just sort of wandering around, not sure what to like, do with Like, himself. he's getting a lot of information, and there's a few uh, interesting discussions he has about sort of ethics and morality, and there's, um, like I said, there's they actually talk about the Book of Revelation and how uh, some people think it's a very literal book, like mm-hmm. the, that the seals are going to break and monsters are going to appear, and... But a lot of uh, biblical scholars and literary critics understand that it's a, sort of a coded criticism of Caesar Augustus. Yeah. And and they bring that up, that there's different interpretations of this. And Damien, in, in fact, says that he is himself an atheist, so he yeah. doesn't believe in the devil. How could he believe that he's the son of the devil? Run with that. That's some interesting theological discussion. We always have these stories about how people find their faith. And look, mm. I'm, I'm not a person of faith. Mm. But I've read a lot. I've read a lot of good stories, and I've seen a lot of good movies and TV shows of people who find their faith, and I believe it. And mm-hmm. I believe that for this person, it's really meaningful and powerful, and it can be really, really great. What if you did that with someone finding their faith that they in, are the Antichrist, in, in the devil? Yeah, That's that, an interesting it's, story. It's like in, in a darkened version of a, of a Christian parable. Yeah, an anti-Christian parable, yeah. literally. So they have a few discussions like that. There's one. Uh, very dark uh, storyline where uh, it, it's just in one episode. I think it's maybe the sixth or seventh mm. where uh, he uh, has oh. many conversations with a soldier who is yeah. wounded. So there's a, there's an episode earlier on in which um, he's being chased by uh, one of Anne Rutledge's goons mm. or he's chasing them actually. And he runs into a subway and there's a, there's a woman on the subway with her very young son and they, the young son like falls into the subway track right when the train's coming and Damien very heroically saves the child. Hmm. He goes to visit them. Turns out they were going to see their husband who is at a VA hospital and he's not doing well. He's probably going to die sooner than later, but he's at the moment he's just deteriorating. Damien spends a lot of time with this family and he takes pictures of them as they try to uh, improve his quality of life and as they suffer and it's actually kind of well handled and kind of poignant pretty, pretty and pretty sensitive yeah. yeah and then at some point damien starts talking to this guy and this guy says what i would like to do is end my own life i know that i all, all i'm doing is extending the inevitable mm-hmm. i my days are constant pain and as much as i love my family i wish I don't wish for them to watch me rot, yeah. essentially, yeah. which is which is a decision that some people have to take. And I'm not in a position to judge that. Right. I don't generally believe in killing oneself. However, there are extenuating circumstances there mm-hmm. that you have to at least have a conversation about. Um, and uh, Damien ends up facilitating that. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it. He's been put through so much. He doesn't just facilitate it. He's a war photographer. Yeah. And this is a a soldier. So this is like part of the soldier experience. So he actually photographs the entire process. Yeah. Which is really, really heavy. It's it's incredibly dark. It's incredibly heavy. Uh, It's like the one moment when the show actually like kind of gets kind of interesting. Yeah. 
I've and, not seen but, that story before. Not but that, yeah, he, but he's before, yeah. he's so so darkly moved by what he's witnessed and helped facilitate that he he can't kind of can't take it anymore. Well, and he's also been going. Yeah, the, the thing that I think the, the the show doesn't really address enough, even though they start to a little bit, mm-hmm. is the fact that he's a war photographer. He's he may not have like been running around with a gun shooting people, but he's seen horrible shit. He is traumatized. And indeed, once he starts having these recovered memories of all these horrible things he saw as a child, hmm. those are also traumatic. You can also get PTSD from those kinds of experiences as well. He's suffering too. And at the end of this episode, he decides he's going to take his own life as well. And then we get basically, correct me if I'm wrong here because it gets a little weird. We got like a whole episode that's kind of a fake out. Where it looks like everything's accelerated really, really quickly, and he's like mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people have died and like been taken in by the by the evil devil worshippers, and then at the end we find out that that was all kind of a hallucination as he was killing himself, right? No, all, all that stuff happened. All that stuff happened with yeah. like the 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 tattoo parlor guy who died and everything yeah, like that, yeah, the, and the, the, the and the and the sister who well, uh, the, the, uh, there's a, a a little bit of a fake out with the tattoo parlor guy because yeah. he has the the birthmark on his head and. He thinks I've, that was I've, given to him. I forgot how yeah. how he made his way to the the tattoo parlor, but yeah, he he learned that he was told to tattoo that on a baby mm. at one point many years ago, and like about the time you were. So I I was actually the guy who put that on your head. Yeah, that's not a birthmark. That's something somebody ordered so you could look like the Antichrist. There you go. And so he for a, an episode believes he's not the Antichrist. But then they do this sort of double back where it turns out he shouldn't have said that, even though, like, he made that up. I at, guess. At somebody's behest, and then the bad guys <laughs> said, oh, wait, you shouldn't have told him that, and they kill him. Yeah. I, I think the good guys were trying to convince Damien that he wasn't the Antichrist. The fact because, that we're confused look, is really telling, I think. Uh, I read the I I saw some of the t- TV miniseries, but I read the whole book of Good Omens. And, I read uh, the book as well, yeah. And a big uh, element of that book is uh, the Antichrist kind of has to believe he's the Antichrist for all of this to work. And uh, the yeah. big joke is that they there's like a switcheroo at birth. Yeah. And they don't remember which it's, child it's, is it's, the Antichrist. It's actually exactly the opening of the Omen, which is that two people are giving birth at the same time. One of mm. them is the Antichrist. One of them is just born to like a wealthy family, mm. uh, but. In, and so uh, they switch babies, and that's how the omens get started, basically. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. Good omens begins with, and there was a third family that just <laughs> that wasn't part of the plan. They just happened to be there, and the evil nuns who were like responsible for switching the babies switched them one too many times, and now nobody knows which one the Antichrist yeah. is. Oh, sh- Whoops. And, and that's course, funny. And of course, all the demons start following the wrong child. And yeah. the- so all of a sudden, so accidentally, instead of this child being raised in this incredibly corrupt environment or being raised by a demon and an angel who are both like vying for the child's soul, like angels mm. and devils on his shoulders, he ended up just having a really nice conventional childhood in like an English suburb yeah, and, and ended up the, being the, a regular kid. But but there's like demons out there helping him. So it's like, yeah. I, we're going to send him a hellhound. He's going to be. And so, yeah, I really want a dog. I want a dog. And my like, Oh yeah. What kind of dog you want a hellhound? No, I want like a little puppy with, with an inside out ear and it, and it barks a lot and pees in the carpet. And the, the hellhound's like, well shit. And it turns into that thing. <laughs> turns into this like little playful dog. And in yeah. being a playful dog, just, 
becomes a playful dog. Which, which again, it, it, but, it uh, speaks to the idea that uh, morality mm. is left up to a person. People yeah. have individual choices based on how they're going to live their lives. Al- and almost, that was true for Jesus. Jesus had a choice. Jesus al- didn't almost, have to do all that shit. And it'd be true for Damien as well. Almost, almost like God gave us free will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although, it, is it really it free if it's given? <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> End of discussion. I solved gonna, it all. We're not, not going to fall down there. <laughs> but uh, I, I brought up good omens, though, because there yeah. should be an element in Damien that he has to sort of believe in himself and has to sort of force himself into an evil life. He has to choose to be the Antichrist. Uh-huh. It's also an element of uh, the movie Devil's Advocate. Uh, a, yeah, yeah. A, a very fun and completely sleazy movie that's just a blast to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Damien... Like I, like I said earlier, it doesn't have any agency in this. He's not making any kind of choices to be the Antichrist or to not be the Antichrist. Well, it's, what's weird is that they're not even trying to make him the Antichrist. You would think, now that he's like 30 and he's been awakened, you know, like Jesus didn't really get started on his whole, you know, his whole magical adventures until, until he, he was, he was, he was 30. 30. Yeah. So yeah, okay, fine. So we'll give you some time to just sort of, you know, wander around and do your own shit. And then now it's time to hunker down and get mm-hmm. to work. But he turns 30, and there's this sinister organization, and there's this woman who's following him and trying to manipulate him, but you know what they're not trying to do? Want to be the Antichrist. They never like, oh. they never like, hey, what if we give you power? What if we give you sex? What if mm. we give you everything you've ever wanted? What if we tempt you to want to be the Antichrist? Or we try to push you and put you in situations that make you hate God mm. or something, or, or anything. want to destroy humanity, yeah. Trying to influence him, trying to move him in the direction they wanted to go. Instead, oh, they're just Please. being sinister around him and making them not trust him, and I'm not sure how they expect that to work. I, I, should, I should not be citing this as a positive example, but in the Star Wars prequels... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, um, the evil emperor did a better job of like manipulating the young Darth Vader yeah. into to doing evil things because he because he because he befriended him over a long period of time. Yeah. He asked for nothing in return for a long period of time. He was just very supportive and mm-hmm. helpful, even when other people were when other people were being reasonable. He was unreasonably giving, mm-hmm. and as a result, Anakin really liked him. And then when an opportunity arose is, uh, to like, oh, are you afraid of something? You know, the Sith can fix that. <laughs> and boom, there you go. Now we're done. It's just waiting it's, for the right moment, for the waiting for the right temptation. It, it's really badly written, but the concept is there. The concept and, is strong. Yeah, there's nothing here to tempt Damien. And also, we understand the significance of the Antichrist through popular culture. We yeah. understand that... Uh, I'm no biblical scholar, but you know the Antichrist is the one to bring about the apocalypse. That, that's mm. what we've been told. That's what we've been told. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of weirdness going on with it. Well, I mean, uh, like just, I said, just the, the way that the Bible handles the idea of the devil as a concept, anyway, hmm. is frankly really oversimplified in Western culture, especially popular uh, yeah, culture. Well, I mean, it's actually it's actually way more nuanced in the Bible than is. than sort of the popular interpretations. But yeah. and the and the Bible is a pretty broad uh, work of literature. But uh, they don't lay any of any of the rules out in this series either. Okay, Damien is the Antichrist, and there's yeah. demons around. 
uh, they repeat the line of dialogue. This is all for you. There's some like holy assassins with evil daggers around that yeah. might stab him and try to kill him. Yeah. Every once in a while, just uh, walk into someplace and someone who's particularly, mm-hmm. I guess, susceptible to influence. Mm-hmm. Well, even if they'd never met him before, or just sort just of fall, fall in his under his thumb and, and then yeah. start stabbing themselves or mm-hmm. something, which you'd think would get old fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but we understand you know, there's evil influence about him. He's going to bring about the end of the world. We know this is not really said out loud in this mm. series, but we understand that about Damien and the Antichrist. How is that supposed to work in the rules of this series? Yeah. How is he going to bring about the end of the world? Is yeah. he going to rise to power? Are there steps along the way? When are you going to start breaking the seven seals in, in yeah. the, uh, the book of Revelation? Yeah, do the, are the four horsemen part of this? Get into some yeah. of the nitty gritty. At the let, very let least. Let us know what the steps that Barbara Hershey is going to take in order to facilitate yeah. the end of the world via Damien. We need, because it's one of those things where on one hand it can be a little frustrating and you don't want to be like, too expository and give like this giant expedition number everything is laid out for you however when you're doing a tale uh that is based on an idea especially a fantastical idea whether it's science fiction or fantasy that people know about or people have seen other versions of at some point you need to clarify here's what it's like here it's like if you're doing a vampire movie you need mm. to clarify what kills what, a vampire in this what, universe. What what kind of vampires are we doing? Well, yeah, are, the, yeah. are these vampires where they can only be killed by sunlight? Is it stake through the heart? Are you one of those like bullshit vampire stories that says silver is a thing, even though it's supposed to be werewolves? <laughs> I'll never forgive you for that. One of those bullshit vampires. I, that's the one. That's the one. I every time it's like, oh, it's silver. I'm like, fuck mm. you. Uh, Werewolves have so little, and you're going to take that from them? Come on. A friend of mine uh, always took issue with what he called squishy vampires. Yeah, like it's so easy to stab them. Like you stab them through the heart, and they just sort of like melt or turn into ashes like immediately. It's like, no, it should be hard. You're stabbing through somebody's ribcage. I actually did appreciate that they had a line to that effect in From Dusk Till Dawn. It's like, have you noticed when you stab them, they're really squishy? (laughs) Like, at least appreciate that you address that. Um, So, like, my point is this. So, if you're doing a story about vampires, you need to clarify... What are these vampires like? What are the specific rules of these vampires? Because they might not be the exact rules you have in your head based on whatever vampire story you've read or seen before. Same thing with the Antichrist. There's a lot of satanic horror out there. The Exorcist, the Mm. Omen, uh, fucking uh, 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 the Conjuring movies, etc. These Mm. are a lot of different, similar, but not necessarily the same rules and theology and mythology. At some point, you need to sit us down and explain it. You don't need to do it all at once. It probably wouldn't be a good idea to do it all at once, but it would be a good idea to give us like a little here and there, just so that we can follow along, just so we know what to expect, just so we know what the rules are. There's none of that. Ever. And there's so many good reasons to do mm. so. And Rutledge can explain it to him at any time. Yeah. Seriously, after like three episodes in, or, she, he knows what she's about. Like, it's, if, the, the veil has been lifted. If he, she's not going to tell Damien, there needs to be a scene of her like, com- like saying, "Yeah, step one is complete." Something like along those yeah. lines. We, we've just broken the second seventh seal. We we t- turned a zebra inside out underneath a full moon. <laughs> Whatever it is, they need to do. Just you know, explain yeah. that there are steps to this, and that we we're working our way toward the could, goal or, in like a tangible way. Or if that's too weird to have her like do that whole like, if you ever see in a movie uh, or a TV show someone say the words, as you know, hmm. it means that there is no reason to have this conversation right now, but the audience needs exposition because the characters in the story hmm. should know it. 
Uh, However, as as an audience member, I appreciate that. (laughs) I appreciate that too. However, there's usually a better way to do it. And here there would have been a great way to do it, which is we've been going through a lot of weird shit. And now all of a sudden, here's this nun from the Vatican who like performs exorcisms for a living. Mm. And now she's teaming up with like the dead girlfriend's sister. Tell her. Ah, there you go. Now all of a sudden stuff to her. She's on the outside. Here's some answers. She she could have, she'd have all these questions. Mm. Well, how does that even work? You don't have to believe it, but you would have an opportunity to just explain some shit. When you have been waiting and befuddled for so long, mm. just explaining shit can be pure catharsis. One of the last episodes <laughs> of Battlestar Galactica, the rebooted Battlestar Galactica from the turn of the century. I love calling it the turn of the century because it makes everyone feel old. Uh, but it is. It was the turn of the century. But if you look at that version of Battlestar Galactica, there were a ton of mysteries and plot threads mm. that... As the series was wrapping up, there was like four or five episodes left. We still didn't have answers for all of it. There's one episode where someone undergoes surgery and like all of a sudden like their memories are unlocked and then like mm-hmm. two other characters get to talk for the first time. The whole episode is them just explaining shit. And it sounds boring, but by that point in the show, it's like taking heroin. It's like, oh my god, they're explaining shit. They're explaining why all the Cylons have the wrong numbers and none of that makes any sense numerically. Why is that? There's actually a reason for it. It's not a great reason, but there's a reason for it. Thank god. <laughs> they, finally, they finally thought this out. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. It's mm. so satisfying. And here you could have done that just a couple episodes in. Because yeah, after a while, I'm just floundering. I'm like, I get it. There's weird Satan shit. But that's all we get is weird Satan shit. And uh, it eventually comes to a point where uh, the nun from the Vatican Mm. uh, is wants to confirm because she's having a little uh, some doubts as to whether or not Damien is the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. So she, and she talks she, to Damien. Yeah, she talks to him and she ends up kidnapping him mm-hmm. and ripping his his scalp open. Yeah. Like she wants to look at the tattoo. Uh, but the tattoos do like or the the birthmark. Yeah. But now the authenticity of that birthmark has been brought into question by the tattoo artist. So now she has to make sure. So she carves through his scalp right under the birthmark Mm -hmm. and finds the same birthmark on his skull. Okay. Fucked up. So it's, yeah. And, and and she does it like in this underground chamber. It's not like in a surgery room, a a surgery operation theater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not, not a lot of sanitation. Yeah. She's just sort of, sort of like gouging into his skull. You'll be fine. Suck it up. Here's a stick to bite on. And she kind of freaks out. And it was at that moment where, uh, she's apprehended by Barbara Hershey and Barbara Hershey puts him through his, his uh, Damien Pitt training, I no, guess. No, 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 no. The nun's putting him through that, actually. And the idea is that she was oh, supposed to... I thought Barbara Hershey put no, him through no, no, that. No, 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 no. The nun is putting him through that ostensibly so that maybe she can, like, rip the Antichrist out of him because he doesn't want to be that. Yeah. And she wants to give him a chance, but she ends up... That, that whole experience of, like, basically... It's I'm like, a, in order to purge your demons, I must bring them out of you. But all that does is confirm to him that he's the Antichrist once and for all. Mm-hmm. And it ends up basically unlocking him and making him... He doesn't necessarily want to do all the Antichrist stuff, but he finally accepts that he is the Antichrist, mm-hmm. and, which makes him more dangerous. And and uh, he starts... Uh, like, And the, one of the last shots of the series is he's sort of standing out in a field, mm-hmm. uh, have, having gone through this demonic experience, and, uh, and everybody's just sort of worshipping him. He's like, great. This is good yeah. now. 
Yeah, there's that. I think once he starts actually taking control of his powers, there's some cool stuff. Like there's a bit where uh, all of the like the Satan worshippers and everything are just like, okay, Damien knows he's the Antichrist now. Kill the girl. And Damien's just like, no. And then everyone starts shooting each other and then themselves. <laughs> and, and he's like, cool. And then like everyone sort of follows him to this like graveyard. And uh, even there's this there's this one cop who's been following his trail this entire time, and I sympathize with the cop because the cop is just trying to make Damien's story make sense, and mm. I'm like, me too, cop. <laughs> I also agree that the story doesn't make a lot of sense, but this guy is trying to be logical about it. And finally, he he shows up at this big scene. He's seen so many people kill themselves. So many things make no sense whatsoever. He ends up at this graveyard. All these Satan worshippers are there, and there's Damien and. The his his girlfriend or his girlfriend's sister, who's now his girlfriend, gets shot in the head, and then Damien brings her back to life in front of everybody, well, and everyone's he, like, uh, he, "Oh, he bleeds into her head wound, and yeah. the blood brings her back to well, life." Who cares yeah. how he did it? He did it. My point is like, mm-hmm. it, it's like, well, he, he did he did it by accident. Is my well, point. my point is he has the power to bring back um, the dead again. When Jesus does such a thing, we won't shut up about it for two thousand years. <laughs> Can we not be impressed for a minute? Okay. So everyone here is like, uh, okay, I actually just, this whole Satan worshiping thing was like a day job for me. Like, you know, every once in a while you just go to church and you go through the motions, but it's mostly there to socialize, that kind of thing. Like and now a, it's like, oh, I I believe now. It's like and, that, that one guy in uh, Iron Man 3. Hmm. Like all the all the bad guys are chasing oh, yeah. after Iron Man and they he disarms them all with his iron suit and the yeah. last guy's just like you know what I don't even like these guys yeah uh, I'm out of here bye don't yeah. shoot me but here but here that guy becomes a true believer and yeah. even the cop who has been trying to stop Damien this whole time is now just like oh well I believe in this then and even that guy starts bowing down with the Damien I actually thought that was kind of a cool moment because I didn't see that coming yeah that's an interesting journey. Uh, so the the series ends with Damien accepting his role as the Antichrist, which frankly should have been episode two or three. At the very <laughs> or, least, he should accept that I am the Antichrist so that people think I'm the Antichrist and learn to deal with this because hmm. this whole I don't know if I'm the Antichrist or not is incredibly anticlimactic when the movie is called Damien and it called, I mean, like they they use footage of Gregory Peck. You see yeah. pictures of Gregory Peck on walls which is weird. We know we're so far ahead of this series. Yeah. If, if this was, um, I've known I'm the antichrist since I'm a child, since yeah. I was a child, but, uh, I, I don't believe in that. I don't want to bring her out at the end of the world. I'm yeah. actually a compassionate human being yeah. who is trying to fight the own demonic forces that I myself am bringing out. Yeah. He's trying to be an ethical antichrist. That's an interesting series. Yeah, th- bad things keep happening around him. He tries to undo them. There's mm-hmm. this sinister cabal that is constantly trying to manipulate him mm-hmm. so that into more complicated ethical situations that make him want try, to be the antichrist. Try, try to compromise yeah. himself. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. When you're it's it's and what you have mm-hmm. when you have that situation is you've got not a not so much a Christian tragedy as a Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. This is Oedipus being told, hey, listen. Uh, some bad shit's gonna happen. And Oedipus is like, could you be more specific? And they're like, you won't like it. Oh, all right. And and then trying to avoid that. Mm. Trying to avoid what has been prophesied for you. And then ultimately being unable to escape it because it's now tied to your being. There could have been something kind of poignant about that. And there could have been something really subversive about telling a story about the Antichrist in which the Antichrist is actually a very sympathetic person. 
Yeah, yeah. Because they're trying to do good in a world that wants them to do bad. And who doesn't feel yeah. like that sometimes, regardless yeah. of your religion? You're yeah, trying the, to be uh, an ethical person. You're trying to live a good yeah. life. And there's so much shit out there. Sometimes, Some days it's easier than others. Yeah. Uh, and this is another show, and we've said this before, that should be more like Brimstone. Uh, <laughs> Monster of the Week, Damien uh, fighting the Monster of the Week. Well, br- the premise is just, uh, imagine less Monster of the Week and more uh-huh. just this idea of somebody who knows they're damned, yeah. like the lead character of Brimstone. He talks to the devil in every episode. Right. But he still, even though he knows he's damned, he's going to go back to hell at the end of all this, is still trying to do good. At first, it's through uh, obligation, and eventually it's just because he has an ethical side. And yeah. what is you know what is the actual you know, philosophy or theology of somebody who uh, has committed terrible crimes to the point of going to hell, given another chance? Can they uh, cleanse themselves? It's amazing it, how much better the show would be if it just had a structure. Any structure. Yeah, any kind of structure. Any structure if, whatsoever. Just some sort of, Even if you, you could do this... Like the Incredible Hulk, and it's, it's just, just him traveling. Yeah, wa- the itinerant Antichrist. Yeah, I'm I'm the Antichrist. Everyone wants this shit for me. I'm I'm running from my responsibility or my fate or whatever you want to call it. And I'm just I'm walking the earth like Kane and Kung Fu. And I'm mm. just every week I run into a different person, a different situation. There's so there's a really really great um, movie about Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not based on anything specifically in the Bible, but it's very well done, called Last Days in the Desert. Well, it is based on something in the Bible. It's about his days in the desert. It is, but the actual incidents that take place in the movie are not specifically in the Bible. But uh, basically, before Jesus went off on his, uh, uh, you know... 40-day sabbatical, we'll say. Well, no, it's during the sabbatical. Before he went off to do all of his big Jesus things. Like, he was a carpenter, it wasn't working out, he needed a change, he goes off on a 40-day sabbatical into the desert to think some shit out, and when he comes out, he's like, I know what I'm going to do, and then he does that instead. I'm simplifying it. (laughs) But he goes out into the desert... (laughs) Fudging a little of the details, but... The gist is there. If you you care enough about Christian theology... I'll let you you have it. If you care enough about Christian theology to know more than I do, you know it. And if you don't, I'm giving you the gist. We're moving on. (laughs) Jesus is out in the desert, and in this movie, Ewan McGregor plays Jesus Christ. And he also plays the devil. And the devil challenges Jesus Christ. Mm. And he says, you think you're going to go out there and like save people's souls? You think you're going to go out there and like make the world a better place? Why? I challenge you this. You're going to run into a family on your way out of the desert, man, woman, and their young son. If you can't solve their problems, what good are you? Mm. It's simple problems. Just a man, woman, and son trying to get, get by. Good luck. And it's just Jesus trying to figure out how to solve problems. In a practical way. In a practical way. And actually learning lessons about like, okay, when is it better to say nothing Hmm. when someone's pouring their heart out to you? You know, when is it, how how strongly should you give advice? When is it a good time to preach? And when is it a good time to behave more like a peer? Mm Mm-hmm. It's actually a very well done movie. It's maybe one of my favorite movies about Jesus Christ. It's really good. 
Uh, and I feel like you could have done that from the opposite perspective, where here's Damien, and he's just like, I, I guess I want to tell you to do bad things, but you shouldn't. Yeah. I don't and know. Like, and I, they'd be so confused. They'd be such an interesting story to tell. And, and we're, of course, also thinking that uh, this is somebody who's trying to reject his mantle. At least at first. Uh, we could also have the same series, this itinerant Antichrist series, where he's sowing discord. Yeah, he's good uh, to be like, like, um... Uh, any number of Stephen King stories about yeah. these itinerant demons who come by and sort of like tempt people uh, mm-hmm. and tempt, them, tempt others to do bad things. It's fantasy Island, except the island comes to you. The island comes to you and like he, he tempts you and he, uh, yeah. in, in a very demonic way gets ordinary people to start doing bad things to each other and mm-hmm. then just moves on. Like imagine if uh, Needful Things was a show. Yeah, Needful Things is, is yeah, yeah. That, that character. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a, so many ways if you gave Damien something other than his how unsure he is about yeah. whether or not he wants to be the Antichrist, because that's not enough to build a series on. Damien's existential crisis might be interesting if this wasn't a tie-in to The Omen. If it wasn't. Mm. If this was just just called Steve, or whatever, like that, and you just don't... He's People think he's like, the Antichrist, but maybe he's not. So we, we would have to not be sure if he himself was the Antichrist. If we didn't know either... Uh-huh. This show, I still think it would just be a lot of the shows just kind of badly done. The pilot episode is weirdly badly shot and edited. Like yeah, it's just it, it, feels it gets like better, they, but my yeesh. It feels like they they had a longer pilot that they had to trim down or something. Mm. I don't know, but like yeah, it's just it's it's an awkward mishmash of scenes that run too long. People there'll be shots where like people walk out of frame and then the shot just lingers for a while and mm. then eventually Barbara Hershey runs into the frame and it doesn't feel like an interesting pacing choice. It feels like we forgot to get coverage. Mm. Like, it just, it's not a good pilot. <laughs> but regardless, if this had nothing to do with the Omen and it was just about some guy who may or may not be the Antichrist, I might have been okay with having an existential crisis about it for a whole season. Because we would be able to make our own decisions there, along the way as well. We, yes, we, he is. No, we, he's not. We could share his doubt. Yeah. There you go. Okay, we could, we could. if he feels doubt, we could go, well, maybe that's, or maybe there's something else going on. Maybe he's not the Antichrist. Maybe he's an alien, or I don't know. There could be other theories. <laughs> Why not? There could be other theories, my point. It could be something sure, else. Yeah. Something else could be afoot. This could all be an elaborate prank. Like Ashton Kutcher's latest season of Punk, just really elaborate. Like, it's weird. But because it's the Omen, we know exactly what it is, and just mm. get to it. Just get to it. What are you? What are you doing? What? What's the point? Just get to your shit. Quit stringing us along yeah. with this mystery that we already know the solution. There's no point. It's like it's like watching Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. It's just like just get to the point where they're Fantastic Four for God's sake. Take forever, my dear you, God. Did you just say Fantastic? Yes. That's a really terrible film. It's not a good movie. God, it's, it's a shame because I actually like the cast. They're, they're, the I cast like, is solid. They I could, like they the, could, I like had a really good like Fantastic that, Four with that cast. I like that cast and there's like little elements. Of, yeah. Like they, they start a couple interesting movies and then stop making them after yeah. a while. That's a shame. The idea that uh, they're all horrified by their superpowers was a really yeah. interesting angle, but they don't run with it. No, because uh, they cut away like, yeah. like nine months later yeah. and they're all fine with it now. Like, fucking like, damn it. The Invisible Woman can't control her invisibility so you can just sort of randomly see see her internal organs like that's freaky stuff that, that, that initial body horror bit yeah. is cool i wish the whole movie had been that cool but anyway anyway any excuse not to talk about damien that's damien it is damien damien uh just real fast because we didn't run down any of the like the the vital stats of this right. uh, this was developed for lifetime 
<laughs> that fucking weird. So it's an A and E series, but they developed for lifetime. It was developed for lifetime. A and E ended up picking it up instead. Uh, and it ended up airing on A and E in uh, 2016, ten episodes. Uh, it was developed by uh, TV uh, writer Glenn Mazzara, who also worked on The Shield. Uh, he worked on Walking Dead. Uh, he worked on uh, that show Hawthorne. He worked on. Uh, he created for television the TV series based on the movie Crash. Okay, remember yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, I remember that. It was like Dennis Hopper hosted that shit or mm. something. It was weird. Um. So long, I never, long never saw it, but I remember when the show was out. Yeah, long, long career that guy, and then he did Damien. And Damien wasn't very good. No. Uh, was Damien canceled too soon? Oh God, no, no, no! I, I don't need to see more of this. There's no promise here. There's not even a premise here. I, I, I don't know what the premise of the show is supposed to be. Mm. Damien mm. has a crisis about being the Antichrist. Mm. Okay, what's he doing? What What's the premise of this show? Like it, it, you just describe things that happen in the show, but yeah, I, I'm frustrated by its complete lack of direction, uh, mm-hmm. the the vagueness of the character, the frustration that I know how it's going to end when I go into the series. Yeah, uh, it it even bugs me a little bit that they didn't take some of the more interesting concepts from the admittedly inferior sequels, and the Omen is. Uh, it's well regarded, but it's not a, as classy as it perhaps has a reputation no, for. No, it's, it's pop filmmaking, but it's yeah. good. But it's, it's it was the devil's advocate of its time. There you go. It's, it's like it's it's a p- better than you would expect it, it was to the, be. The drive-in version of The Exorcist. Yeah. Uh, um, we, we got to watch that on a rainy day in high school. What the Exorcist? No, the Omen. Oh, the Omen. Okay. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen it before. It's like I'm it's surprising a, you get to watch that. In it's high a rainy. School. It's That's... a rainy day. We're gonna stay inside today, and we'll just get to watch a just, movie. Just and watch, to watch David the Warner Omen. get decapitated. Yeah. yeah. Seems a bit much, but all right. It's an awesome scene. I love I, that I, scene. No, don't get me wrong. I got to watch <laughs> Die Hard in school. I don't think you're allowed to do that now. I don't think you're allowed to watch an R-rated movie in school without at least a permission slip. We were all seniors. I think we were all seventeen. I realize that, but still, there's mm-hmm. there's always gonna be that one parent who complains. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is it for Cancel Too Soon this week. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back next time with a review of a series called Perpetual Grace Limited. That's a contradiction. How can you be perpetual and limited? Makes you think. Uh, but the movie, uh, the movie. about what exactly? Uh, the series. It's an. It was a series that premiered on Epics in uh, I think it was 2019, and it stars Ben Kingsley, Jimmy Simpson, and Terry O'Quinn, and Kurtwood Smith, a.k.a. the other Terry O'Quinn. Uh, <laughs> and also Timothy Spall, so really good Ooh, cast. I like Timothy Spall Louis a lot. Louis Guzman is in this. Like It's really, really cool. Jackie Weaver is in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, about a young grifter who decides to uh, 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 insinuate himself into the life of a pastor played by Ben Kingsley, but ha-ha, Ben Kingsley has secrets. I know no more about it than that, but I we, we, we've been asked to do it, so we're going to do that. So that's well, coming it, up next it, time. It connects if we're going from the Antichrist to a show about a pastor. Yeah, know, why not? Still continuing with Christian themes. I can work with it. Uh, anyway, that's coming up next on Cancel Too Soon. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, very special shout-out and thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, without you, our shows would not exist. And it just means the world to us that you're contributing and uh, helping them exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you haven't joined up yet, if you if you would care to, we would love to have you. Uh, we have a variety of tiers, and for each tier, you get stuff. You get to vote for future episodes. Uh, you get uh, bonus podcasts about things like Batman and Star Trek and the Academy Awards and commentary tracks. We do uh, online hangouts as well. Uh, so... All of that's there. Thank you so much to everybody uh, who has already signed up. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, if you can't afford to do that, please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. If you would like to talk about anything we discussed in this episode. Did you watch Damien? Did you like Damien? Tell us. Yeah, send us an email. Great to get that perspective. We want to to hear what we're missing. Yeah, please. Uh, You can let us know. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of our show, We've Got Mail. Whitney, what is our snail mail account? Uh, You can send us an actual physical letter or send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, uh, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. That's right. And, uh, of course, uh, head on over to Salt Cat Soap on social media. That's uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Salt Cat Soap is the soap store run by myself and my partner, M. Lampas Da Silva. Uh, we sell a whole bunch of designer soaps. We just unleashed a whole bunch of new designs for the holidays. Uh, so if you want to get some stocking stuffers for your friends, family, relatives, uh, or if you just like to, to, to clean yourself and smell good... And have good-looking soaps that are handcrafted by mm-hmm. myself and M. Lapis Silva. Uh, you can. The links are on the social media page, but just check us out on Etsy. Look for Salt Cat Soap, all one word. Uh, and uh, don't forget, Whitney has uh, radio dramas. I do. Uh, if you're a, a subscriber at the $20 tier, you get them. They're just part, a perk mm-hmm. of being on that tier. Or you can just buy them separately if you'd like to. Contact me through all the social medias. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, send me an email if you know it. And yeah, just uh, you can Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App me, yeah. and I can mail you an MP3. Uh, one of them is about a time-traveling lesbian bar. Mm-hmm. It's got a talking crab in it. Nice. One uh, takes place in uh, a goth counterculture store that was here in Los Angeles, a real store. Uh, and it's just a conversation between a, a clerk and a customer. And uh, there's another one that uh, about a... Uh, VHS cassette that can predict the future. Nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, all, all of those are for sale. And there's another one in production currently. That's so uh, it'll Can't be out, out in time for Christmas. All right. So uh, that is all for us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That's, that's such a wrap. We will see you next season. Bye.